Hello, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. Thank you so much for coming back and joining me today for episode number 100 of the podcast. That's a milestone I really wasn't sure we would ever reach, but I'll share more about that in next week's episode. Today, I'd like to share the second half of my conversation with Wendy Geikema. If you didn't get to catch last week's episode, you'll definitely want to go back and listen to hear the story of her remarkable son, Matt, who died by suicide in February of 2018. Today, our conversation covers a wide range of topics that I believe will encourage you on your own grief journey. We'll pick up today's discussion right where we left off last week. So I think all of us who are bereaved parents kind of have this dividing line that one runs through our lives, almost like a fault line from an earthquake, um, kind of the before and the after our child goes to heaven. So think about the before Wendy and the after Wendy. How is she different? Mm, that's such a good question, Jill. Yeah, it's, I think for me, it's not a dramatic before and after, but rather a deepening and a refining of what was already there. Um, And so before, I would say I I was a mature believer and I was pretty consistent in the word. I I had a deep love for the Lord. I served in church and, and ministries and but and I felt at that time that I spent in the word before protected me after. Yeah. I had that his truth was deep in my bones. And so I knew who God was. I knew who his promises, what his promises were. I knew who, who he said I am. Like I'm a child of the king. And I think all that protected me from the lies of the enemy. It doesn't mean I didn't wrestle and struggle like I sure did. But then I go back to scripture and I could say, well, does this sound like the Lord, the voice of the Lord? What's the tone of this? This sounds really condemning. That's not how he talks to me. Is this a real, is this real or am I making up a story here? Am I assuming something? Am I, you know, imagining something here? And so that I think really, I think that did help me. And, you know, it's interesting, Paul Tripp wrote an excellent book on suffering. <laughs> and you know, you've been through some stuff when you're excited to recommend a book on suffering. You're like, yes. I would like, uh, when I read it, I'm like telling all my friends, you've got to read this book on suffering. And everyone's looking at me like, you are crazy. But <laughs> anyway, he says, and I'm going to quote this because I think it's so good. Our lives are shaped not just by what we suffer, but by what we bring to our suffering. What you think about yourself, life, God, and others will profoundly affect the way you think about, interact with, and respond to the difficulty that comes your way. And so that idea that our lives are shaped not just by what we suffer, but what we bring to our suffering. And so I feel like that And I've seen this, that the beliefs we can bring into suffering that can include poor theology, unrealistic expectations of ourselves, of God, of others, or even we can have a sense of how like we are in control of our world. And so all of that, 
you know, can really, depending on kind of what you're believing pre, (laughs) has an impact on how you suffer and how you are post. And so, you know, I don't think uh, pre-Wendy had, I mean, she felt like she was depending on the Lord. I think post, I had to really realize like that it became a total. Psalm 63, 8 says, my soul clings to you. And I think early on, I I had, I mean, immediately you have to decide, okay, am I going to trust you, Lord? Or am I going to try to navigate and do this some other way? And I was like, okay, this is it. I'm trusting him. He's my only way through this. <laughs> and so I was just like, Lord, I'm going to trust you that you're going to heal me. And I also, I didn't want to give the enemy the victory by letting this define me. Because I knew that God, I felt God still has, like, he's such a big God. So he still has plans. He still has purpose for me and my family. And I, I feel like it's magnified my ministry because I've had platforms to share about Matt and, but about the goodness of the Lord. And, and when I share and I talk to someone who's maybe gone through trauma or lost a loved one, when I encourage you to turn to the Lord, these are not cheap words. Right. Like I, 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 I say, I have been with Christ in the school of pain in in certain places in my life. I'm still there. So I'm not just offering you trivial, cheap Christianity. Exactly. Because that trivial, cheap Christianity will not get you through an experience like this. Amen, Jill. That's so true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what you bring into suffering does make a difference in how you deal with it. And I'm thankful, you know, that I grew up in a Christian home and had that background before Hannah's diagnosis. And my heart goes out to those that kind of have to learn their faith and and those truths of the Lord on the fly as they're in the middle of their suffering. Yeah, but God will meet you. He meets you everywhere. Because even if you're like, wow, I really pre before all this, I really didn't feel like I was turning to the Lord. That's okay, because he he'll meet you wherever you are. It just says, all you have to do is ask him and turn to him and he's going to help you. Exactly. That's right where I was going. So I'm glad you picked that up. (laughs) Very good. So it's been a little over four years since Matt went to heaven, but I want you to think back if you can to the very early days of your grief. What advice would you give to somebody who is right at the beginning of this journey? I think I go back to the, the, the grieve with hope um, is, but boy, you have to experience the grief. You can't ignore it. You can't stuff it. You can't bottle it. You're just going to, whether through, but through counseling, through other things, you've, you've got to work through it. If you have that hope of seeing your child in eternity, that is a strong and certain hope. It's an anchor for our souls. I would say you have, we have to give ourselves grace in those early days. They're just hard. The first year is hard. There is an excellent little book that we actually got at our while we were the waiting retreat that you had given out, but it was it's called SOS, Survivors of Suicide. Mm-hmm. And there's a quote in there that really stuck out to me. Um, it says, the American Psychiatric Association ranks the trauma of losing a loved one to suicide as catastrophic on par with that of a concentration camp experience. Yes. And so just to say, this is hard. Like, don't should on yourself and say, well, I should be doing better. Or I should, no, it's hard. It does get better. Um, four years out, I would say the edges have softened. 
Um, and I would say to a newly bereaved parent, the way you feel now, it's not the way you will always feel, but you do have to work on your healing. Time helps. And I don't, I couldn't have healed without Jesus in my life That's because right. I've had to really work on what am I believing? Where am I focusing my mind? What stories am I making up? Or what am I assuming in my head? What does God say about this situation and about me and about Matt? And it really is an emotional roller coaster. Grief is not linear. You can be doing one thing, like maybe, you know, cooking or doing something, and suddenly your loved one comes to mind and poof, you're having a, gr a grief burst. Yes. And you're in, you could be in tears. And that is all part of the journey. And in those early days, this could happen multiple times a day. You know, we also talk about grief brain with, you know, people that have lost, lost kids or lost loved ones. It, you know, we might forget things. We feel a little foggy because it takes a while for our brain to recover from the trauma of what we've experienced. Yes. And finally, I think I would say to someone newly bereaved is like, you may need to set some boundaries about who you will allow in your in your life or in close to you or what kind of conversations you want to be part of or not. Some people are healthy and helpful in how they support you, but others aren't. And so it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, you know, no, thank you. That really would not be helpful or I would appreciate, I don't want to talk about that. Yes. And, and really, there are no rules on how to navigate this journey. So you and the Lord, you have to figure out what's what you need in it versus what other people tell you you need. <laughs> exactly. Around here at the refuge, we call that grace and space. Um, mm. we, we sometimes have to give people grace because they don't always know, you know, the right thing to say. And sometimes they say things that are hurtful. But there are some people that we need to put a little space between us because they really are not helpful on our grief journey. Mm, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. So that really actually kind of segues into our next question. And that is about how people often feel awkward around a parent that has lost a child because they don't know what to say. And most people are well-meaning and they do want to say something helpful. But I would imagine that's even a bigger issue when a child dies by suicide. And I know we have a lot of listeners who listen to this podcast, not because they themselves have lost a child, but they love somebody who has. So what is some advice that you might give to someone who is wondering what they can say or do to help someone who has experienced the loss of a child to suicide? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I'll touch on what I would say to say and then what not to say. Great. Yes. Um, yeah, I would say overall, I think our culture just doesn't do grief well. Right. You know, we have a memorial service and then it's almost like sort of back to business. People are, most people are really uncomfortable talking to someone who's lost a child. And our missions pastor says, Jesus moved in the direction of people in need. Mm, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I love that. That's what we're called to do. And actually, this is when it comes to a, a grieving parent, or this is simpler than we realize. It I mean it, it can just be, you know, I heard the news. I'm so sorry to hear about this. I'm praying for you. You know, I'd like to bring you a meal. Or yeah. 
I used to try, I actually asked my friends to say, how are you today? Because the question, how are you, was so broad. And in those yeah. early days, I wasn't good, but I could answer the question, how are you today? Because right. I could focus on today. I felt like the most helpful people would think this thought about what we might need and just reached out to help. Um, they brought food, water cases, paper products, lots of boxes of tissues, yes. um, meals. I had a, a, a friend grocery shop for me because I, when I went to the grocery store, I burst into tears because I saw things that Matt used to like to eat. And, yes, me too. You know, friends went, sent scripture. They reached out to let me know they were praying. Um, they remembered key dates. They hugged me. They listened to me. They took me out to lunch. My sister was amazing. She um, she just showed up and helped and was such, you know, helped with so many things that week. And I mean, and, you know, she even, she identified the body for us, which mm -hmm. is one of those yucky things in that first week. I mean, there were just so many things. So, you know, having, having these people, <laughs> you know, love on us. Um, and, and I would just say, you might be tempted to hold back from saying something because you don't know what to say or you're afraid you're going to make that person sad. And I would say, don't miss that opportunity to just say something because when you say nothing or do nothing, you've missed an opportunity. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's kind of awkward when you ignore the fact that I've lost a child because like, it's like, yeah, we both know this has happened, but like, it's weird if you don't, if we're, if we, we, you know, two months later, you know it and you don't say anything. It's kind of like, I'm like, really? Like, right. and you don't have the power to make me sad. Like I'm thinking about my kid anyway. It's not like you're going to say something and I'm suddenly going to go, oh, wow, I totally forgot. I lost a child. You're right. not like, so, so just, just say it and because it makes it just offering that empathy and understanding and, and listening ear that just makes such a difference. Absolutely. Um, and I would say, yeah, some things not to say, <laughs> yes. or, mm -hmm. um, you know, and again, we give grace, you know, people are, they're doing the best they can. So I, you know, we have forgiveness and forgiveness in my heart for people and all this stuff that was said, but we got a lot of bad theology, you know, like, God just wanted Matt in heaven. Really? Mm. You know, God allowed this, but he didn't cause it. You know, if you're not sure exactly what the Bible says, just say, I'm sorry, but don't mislead people with things that aren't true about God. Right. And, and, and I will say, you know, by the way, people that die by suicide can go to heaven. It's, it's not the unforgivable sin. That's right. Our last sin on earth does not determine our salvation. That if we go to Romans 10, 9, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. And so other things that aren't super helpful are questions about how it happened. Right. If we saw it coming, this is really, these are questions more to help you feel better, satisfy your curiosity but they don't bless the family who has just lost a loved one and has had their life turned upside down. And we're telling people, well, you should be over this by now. Really? <laughs> uh, that's, that's not, that's not very helpful. Um, right. 
And I've heard it said too that, you know, very, that comforting words don't rarely begin with at least. And so, because I had someone say, well, at least you still have two more kids. It's like, "Mm, you know, I know you're trying to do the best you can here. And I know you're trying to comfort me, but I'm going to give you grace. But that, that really was not helpful. (laughs) I didn't say it that that helpful. I just said, well, thank you. And then I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, You know, thank you so much. I appreciate that. But yeah. Yeah. So. Those are some thoughts. Um, yeah. Oh, I agree. Any sentence that begins with the words at least should never be spoken to someone who has lost a child mm-hmm. because it just minimizes the loss when you say that. Yes. Um, and so it's not helpful. Yes. Uh, a question I have for you, just as someone who has lost a child to suicide, and it's about semantics. I know the common phraseology or whatever you want to call it used to be committed suicide. Uh, so-and-so mm-hmm. committed suicide. How do you feel about that term? Yeah, I prefer not to use it. Right. I prefer to say died by suicide or passed months by suicide or something. I just feel that committed, it 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 is a sin, but it just makes it, it doesn't, I don't think captures all the nuances of the pain for yes. the, and then the accumulated pain for the person that led to this really unfortunate choice. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that phrase. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm glad that that is kind of falling out of favor. Um, there are still people that, that use that term committed suicide, but I've tried to really adjust my language to always say died by suicide um, because it's such a different connotation. Uh, the committed mm-hmm. just really gives it uh I don't know, an an ugly meaning that that doesn't necessarily need to be there. So um, I think that's something I I guess I just wanted to mention that for those listening to this podcast that may not be aware that that can be hurtful language to someone Mm -hmm. who has lost someone to suicide. So um, another question I had for you is about holidays, holidays, birthdays, heaven days, those kinds of days. Um, we know there's all, those kinds of things are always tough for bereaved parents. Um, have you found any special ways to celebrate Matt's life on those days? Mm, yeah, those are hard. I mean, especially the first year and two. Yeah. And there's, again, there's no right way to mark those dates. I think early on, I, you know, I talked to some parents and they were doing all these amazing things. And that just <laughs> made me feel, ugh. You know, yeah. and and honestly, I think in the beginning, I think there's something to be said for just getting through it. Yes. Um, it's 24 hours, the day passes, and I've just, I've tried to really sort of let go of having any pressure to have to do something amazing or, you know, th- uh, on those days, on heaven dates and, and birthdays and holidays. Again, I, I go back to my grief and hope. I'm going to lean into grief. I'm going to choose gratitude. Um, I'm going to feel the grief. I'm going to acknowledge it. it is a loss. Like I miss Matt every day. Yeah. But I also, I want to be grateful. He was in our lives. He brought us a lot of joy. Good times, you know, like all people, there's good times, there's hard times with everyone, but I'm glad he was part of our lives. And And again, that certain hope that I have of seeing him. You know, sometimes I've done a class or a learning event because Matt loved to learn. And so that felt like a way to honor him. 
sometimes we've, you know, we've eaten donuts just because he loved to eat donuts with sprinkles on them. Um, you know, and sometimes I always check with the family, you know, especially if when, you know, boys are away or things like that, you know, do we want to connect today? Do we yeah. want to have a Zoom call? Do we want to do a phone call or would you not? What would be helpful for you today? You know, and then when we're together, how do we want to, how do we want to honor this or mark this in a way that supports everyone and where they are in their grief journey? Yeah. So definitely, again, no, no rule book on this one. You have to, it, you have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I love what you said though, about including everyone in the family in the decision of how you might want to mark that day. I think that's really important. So I appreciate that you mentioned that. Well, because it's been interesting because sometimes, you know, I'll think, you know, oh, well, what do we want to, we're all, you know, let's do a family call. And then one of my sons might say, you know, actually, I, I don't, I don't feel like I can handle that today. Yeah. Or, you know, that doesn't feel like that's going to help me. And I'm like, okay, I want to honor that Absolutely. and do what's supportive for everyone. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the you know your our your children the siblings they're on their own grief journey and as are our spouse and we just want to honor everyone and meet them where they are. Exactly, that is great advice. So important. All right, well, it's about time to wrap up our conversation. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share before we go? Well, I think I'll close with the words that I shared at the end when I spoke at Matt's memorial service. And I'll say, I spoke on grief and hope. And I'm going to say this again. This is not the end of Matt's story or of mine or of our families because I grieve with hope. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, My friend Joy Young always says the best is yet to come. It's not the end of our story with our kids. We have so much more to look forward to. We do. God is not finished with any of us yet. He has plans and purposes for all of us. Yes. And that's where that hope lies. Another thing I just want to mention before we go, I love what you shared at Matt's service. You said, I know Matt is in heaven, not because of his good works or his family or his religion. He's in heaven because he knew Jesus. And I think that would be a great word to just kind of leave leave our conversation with today. Our kids are not in heaven because they were good kids or because they were perfect kids or because they did everything right. They're there because they knew Jesus. And because of that, we can rejoice. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Wendy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today to share your story of your remarkable donut-loving Matt, um, who had a dog named Apple. I love that. He just sounds like somebody that would be a great person to get to know. And I look forward to meeting him in heaven one day. You will have a laughter filled conversation. I feel certain. (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please take just a moment to leave a rating or a review, and please feel free to share it with someone you know who might be helped by it. We're so grateful for all of you who come back and listen every week, and those of you who may be listening for the very first time. I hope God has used it to encourage you today and to help you live well while you're waiting.